Welcome to another episode of the True Shoes Podcast. As always, I am Dan Aquino, and I'm once again joined by the host of the JB Podcast, James Boisitz. What's up, guys? How you doing? Glad to be here. I'm glad you could join me again. Uh, so for this episode, I thought we could discuss some takeaways uh, we have from the first, it's been 10 games or so of the regular season. Uh, you have some, I got some. Uh, I did this before one time on my show, but I figured it'd be a good idea to have somebody else do it with, and you know we could bounce off our take uh, takeaways. Uh, you are the guest, so I'll let you go first, and then we could you know go back and forth and give our thoughts. Well, thank you very much. Um, my number one takeaway is how good the 76ers have looked so far, and yeah. the reason why this is a big takeaway for me is because I think it was no secret that. This year was a make-or-break season for the Philadelphia 76ers, it seemed like. Whatever happened with this James Harden thing, whatever return they were going to get, kind of seemed like it was going to impact Joel Embiid's future. And, you know, we always... I mentioned it um, last time we potted. People don't know, like, really how old Joel Embiid is. Like, he's he's older than we think. And... I think it's important to understand that, like, yeah, Harden was really important last year, but Maxi getting a bigger role was going to be helpful. Tobias Harris was going to be a bigger role, was going to be helpful. You know Harris was complaining that he wasn't getting the ball a lot. And I think, like, I'm still very surprised that they've started out this well. So do I think Philly is the best team in the Eastern Conference? Not necessarily. But I think a lot of us did sleep on Tobias Harris and Maxi getting bigger roles and that they were capable of being very successful in those positions. And Maxi, like I got to admit defeat here a little bit because I've said Maxi's overrated for a while. I said his ceiling for me was a one-time all-star appearance, kind of like D'Angelo russell E where he has he makes one all-star game, he has an explosive season. But ultimately that's what he is. He's not anything more than that. And I still may be right about that, but he's been unbelievable to start the year. Um I believe he's a 50-40-90 guy and he's averaging around 25 points per game. Um even that shocking to me how good he's been. I thought he could be definitely 20-21 if given the right role and it's still early, but he's been exceptional. And I think no Harden drama. This team plays together. Nick Nurse is a massive upgrade at coach over Doc Rivers, in my opinion. Um, And you could just see the balls moving. They're really fun to watch. And I think it's something Embiid has never had. That that that's also one of my takeaways as well. That the Sixers are really good. I mean, they're on a seven game win streak right now. They beat the Pistons last night. Embiid at thirty three points, sixteen rebounds. Maxi at twenty nine points, eleven assists. And I was kind of on the same boat with you with Tyrese Maxey. I think we all knew like he was good, uh, but playing at this level, I didn't know he was capable of. And we weren't going to ever see this until they got rid of Harden. Uh, and I, I got to give credit to Daryl Morey and the Sixers staff. They got rid of James Harden. They got a good return in terms of getting picks and stuff, assets they can use in the future. And they've really opened up you know, their offense, you know, now they, with Nick nurse, they play a lot faster. They move the ball more. Uh, it's just so much easier. I think now uh, for just everyone on the team, we see Tobias Harris really stepping up in his role. 
uh, Kelly Oubre has been fantastic for them in that starting role. Uh, so it's really crazy that they just got rid of Harden and they have looked even better than they did last season. Um, are they better than Boston? I don't think so. Not right now. Milwaukee's been weird. They got to figure stuff out. Um, so I guess right now you could say the Sixers are definitely better than the Bucks. Uh, that's, I think, one of their – they lost to them by like one point on opening night. Um, but they have the assets to possibly improve this team at the deadline. Uh, I would like to see them maybe go after OG Ananobi. I think he would fit in perfectly with what they're doing. Also was coached by Nick Nurse uh, previously. Uh, and the question just will be, especially for Maxi, is this sustainable? Can they keep up this level of play? We know Embiid can for sure, and he's going to be in MVP conversations. Again, he's averaging 32 points per game and 12 rebounds. But will Tyrese Maxey averaging 25 on 50, 40, 90, is that sustainable? Will he be able to continue to play that way? Do you continue to get the contributions you're getting from Kelly Oubre and Tobias Harris? And will mm-hmm. that, you know, health is also obvi- obviously always a factor with teams. Uh, that is going to be what we're going to look forward to in the rest of the season. I think they're very capable of sustaining this. And, you know, I think we got to think about Embiid's future again. Like, cause I think a lot of people just guarantee, including myself, just guaranteed mm-hmm. that he wouldn't be on Philly after this year, especially yeah. after the Harden thing. Um, and he, I think this is the first time since maybe 2017, 16, 17, I uh, know 17, 18, sorry. Um, that first Ben Simmons year where I think they finally have like a culture. Like I know that words used around a lot and it's cheesy and stuff, but it really does matter. Um, Philly, ever since they figured out we got these two guys and Simmons and Embiid, they, they kind of tried to find that third guy or multiple people, um, whether it was Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, who's currently on the team, James Harden. They've kind of tried to find different ways to give them that third star or a another star, just kind of substituting stars and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I think there's been an absence of player development. And I think Maxi really is shown to be that player development guy. And I think they have this team now that Philly freaking loves like like they love this team because they had somebody quit on them they've had two people quit on him quit on them Simmons and now Harden Mm -hmm. um I mean I tried to tell I have family that lives in Philly I tried to tell them Harden was going to quit on them eventually um and (laughs) they didn't want to believe me because they just dealt with Ben Simmons but that's literally what happened um once Harden wasn't getting his way wasn't getting that money he wanted out um I and honestly, Harden's looking real dumb right now because <laughs> the Clippers aren't doing well. Now it's still early; we'll see. But you know, and it's also still early to see what's going to happen with Embiid. You know, I, I, but I don't think Maury's done yet. But what I would like, because Maury's always been fascinated with stars and bringing in a second star. I think Maxie's definitely capable of being that second star. I think Tobias Harris has had many moments where he's he's kind of like. He was he's kind of in that Mike Conley. I know Mike Conley got an all star recently, but Tobias Harris said many years where he's been that fringe all star, like specifically with the Clippers, mm-hmm. where he was really good. Um, so I think it's very sustainable for them. Um, I also wasn't really sold on their depth, and their depth's been pretty good. So I can't really I was just I'm just shocked how good they've been so far. I still don't think they're better 
than Boston, who like, Boston's looking like insane right now. Like Boston is really incredible. Um, yeah. How good they've looked, but Philly just beat Boston. And Boston's done this with Jalen Brown really not playing well so far. Uh, and they've been without Al Horford as well. Um, Sixers, they're going to play back-to-back games against the Pacers. That's going to be fun because mm-hmm. the Pacers are another team that's been pretty good to start the season, a high-scoring team mm-hmm. uh, behind Halliburton. And then we'll see them play the Celtics again uh, early next week. But let's uh, get to one of my first takeaways. Yeah, go. And it's time for me to push my agenda. Mitchell Robinson, 100% should be in the defensive player of the year conversation this season. And, you know, ask any Nick fan on Twitter, you know, the media has had a tough time really covering us accurately because we're not, you know, your father's Knicks anymore. Like we're not the poorly run franchise. You know, we're not that team at the bottom of the standings every season. Uh, it speaks to kind of a larger issue with the NBA media. We could discuss that maybe another day, but the early odds for the defense player of the year came out and they had middle Robinson was not on that list. Uh, they had Rudy Gobert first at like a plus 600 betting odds. And he's uh, he's been had great. a great start. Yeah. And the Wolves are first in defensive efficiency. So, and he's won the award, uh, what, like three times. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's fine. I'm good with that. Then you have Evan Mobley at second on the betting odds. Evan Mobley hasn't been great. Cleveland hasn't been great. And uh, they're mediocre defensively. They're in the middle of the pack. God knows why they put Jaron Jackson on the list because the Grizzlies are one of the worst teams in the league and he has not had a good start to the season. Then it's Wemby, who, yeah, is big and blocks some shots, but again, Spurs aren't great defensively. Uh, they're actually the second worst team in defensive efficiency. And then Anthony Davis, who actually picked to win the defensive player of the year this year, uh, but the Lakers are going to have to have a little bit of a turn for that to happen. Uh, so Mitchell Robinson's got to be in there. I mean, the Knicks are second in defensive efficiency. He leads the league in offensive rebounding by a mile. He has more offensive rebounds than some teams. And in the game against the Spurs, you know, everyone was talking about Wemby. You know, what he's going to do is debut in Madison Square Garden. When he was guarded by Mitchell Robinson, he went 0 for 6 with one turnover. Mm-hmm. Mitchell Robinson's also averaging 12 rebounds a game, a block, two steals. He's had two games this season with four steals. Uh, opponents' offensive rating, their effective field goal percentage, their defensive rebounding, their assist percentage, all higher when he's off the floor, and then when he's on the floor, opponents' turnovers are up and their block shots are up. Uh, even the offense, our offense is 10, 10 points better when he's on per 100 possessions. I mean, he is just one of the most impactful players on our team um, outside of maybe Brunson, who is having some high-scoring games but not efficiency-wise being playing well. And Randall's been terrible. We talked about that last week uh, on your pod. Uh, but I think he needs to be getting some recognition from the national media of how good he really is. Uh, I even mentioned him when they were talking about the uh, the Olympic team, that he should get some consideration. He'd be a great big man uh, to put out there on that international field because he can be a lob threat. He can block shots. He can play defense. And a lot of international teams have a lot of bigs who are offensively gifted, and we'd need defensive bigs. We thought Jaron Jackson could be that uh, in FIBA because he was defensive player of the year, but he didn't hold up. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Mitchell Robinson so far this season as a Nets fan, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm always going to be team Clax, you know? Of course, of course. Of course. No, the thing is, I think there's no question that Mitchell Robinson is so valuable for the Knicks. I mean, you watched it. To me, he was the second most important player in that Cavs series. Um, In the fact, last year, the fact that Mobley and Allen were both garbage like that's not a coincidence like 
Mitchell Robinson has something to do with that and pretty much everything to do with that. Um, yeah, he's very important for the Knicks. I think you only get rid of him if it's for Embiid. Like we talked about last week for the pod, yeah. but it looks like Embiid's going to stay put, uh, at least for now. I mean, it's yeah. early. Um, Mitchell Robinson um, has definitely gotten better since that second round pick. Because remember, he was like fouling too much. Yeah, and it was that he, whole issue. Like he, he seems had a, to have he had fixed a problem. that. He, it seemed like every game yeah. by like three minutes left in the first quarter, he has two fouls. Sometimes yeah. he'd have three. Like he just had a really hard time staying down, just using his size mm-hmm. uh, to guard guys. He would pump, he would jump on every pump fake, and yeah. he'd end up you know getting a lot of fouls. And that was an issue for like a few years. That wasn't just like his rookie season. Like that's why they were like yeah. starting Nerlens Noel over him um, a few oh, years ago. But <laughs> you know, he's definitely. I think we all knew that the talent was there. Like he's definitely um, somebody that's part of that Nick Core and is a huge necessity. Um, it's not shocking to me that he's been this good. Uh, personally, I, I always knew he was capable um, of being this good. Um, I just think that interior presence, like you, like Miles Turner, for example, is having like, like Indiana six and three, but their defense is terrible, mm-hmm. and I and I think that's an indictment on Miles Turner. Um, I think if you put like Mitchell Robinson in there, like, is he uh, is Indiana the worst defense in the league? Or one of the worst defenses in the league, um, they would so, just lose, they would just lose that scoring. Like that's the trade off. Yeah, like, that's the trade off for sure. Like for he's, sure. he's a good shooter and he can. Score. Yeah, yeah. Robinson yeah. could score. Honestly, it it it's a little indictment on like Brunson and just the guards. He rolls really hard constantly mm-hmm. to the rim. And, so yeah, we talked about that last yeah. week with the tra- Mitchell Robinson's trainer coming out and complaining about. You know that they don't find lobs for Mitchell Robinson, which is kind of crazy because I think we all agree that Brunson is one of the best decision makers in the league. Um, like he's definitely great at, like if he's not playing, the Nick offense doesn't look like anything special. Yeah. Um. So I definitely think that's a big thing. But yeah, Mitchell Robinson's been great. Um. The Knicks. He's a huge reason why the Knicks are five hundred right now. I believe they're five hundred, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, considering that Randall's been terrible and Randall, like, I think it says a lot, like the Knicks have been a good defensive team this year, correct? Yeah. They were um, second. Defensive yeah, yeah. They're really good. So, but Randall at times, like I've seen Knicks fans go at his defense, like crazy. If you're playing with that guy and he's dogging it sometimes defensively, kind of like if he's not making shots, he's not. And I know he came out and said recently about his ankle, that you know, oh, had ankle surgery. You got, I told you, you know, it's going to take me a while. But there's no question, Mitchell Robinson has had to kind of make up for that, and that's a huge deal. That you guys are still that good defensively when one guy is kind of dogging it. And let's face it, Brunson's not a great defender, like okay. with his size, and it's not really his fault. It's just his size. So like, you need a big guy like Mitchell Robinson to protect the rim when Brunson's going to get beat. We know Grimes can defend, right? Barrett can defend, but. You know, I think that's that's like if he goes down, like that's a huge loss now for the Knicks for sure. Yeah. And was he injured in that Hawk series a few years ago? I believe he was, right? I I like don't have memory of him playing that much. So it's very it's <laughs> because very because I I think he was injured. He was. I yeah. think he was injured. That's why you don't remember him. And because of that, the Knicks were missing him big time. Yeah. So yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Mitch Robinson is very valuable for that team. Um, my next thing is I wanted to talk about Cleveland. Okay. Cleveland is three and 
five right now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's not being talked about because no one wants to talk about Cleveland. I had Cleveland mm. uh, being third in the Eastern Conference strictly because of their talent. Yeah. That's really it. Like, I, I, I just was like, safe. I don't know what's going on with Philly. Um, I know the Knicks beat Cleveland last year. But, you know, I need to see how Randall does two years in a row. I needed to see this. And, like, I'm expecting Mobley to get a little bit better. Mobley really hasn't gotten much better. And it's Garland's. And there's another thing, too, is Garland, again, this is the third straight year of him just kind of being the same guy. Like, he was last year. Did he really get better? Not really. This year, same thing. Um, And I, this is. Uh, this is a huge question because of Donovan Mitchell and his future. Um, yeah, He is not extending with this team. I don't see a world where he extends with this team. And Colby Altman, you know, this has nothing to do with the basketball court stuff and everything going on in the basketball court. But him getting arrested for drunk driving and that <laughs> stuff, there's just right. a weird vibe with Cleveland that no one is really talking about. And I like Max Struess. Like, I love that addition for the team. He, he torched the Nets on opening night. Um, you know, Karras, I always root for Karras, but Karras is not, like, he really has kind of been mid ever since he left the Nets. Um, but it's really just, like, Cleveland's got a lot of issues. And they have a lot of stakes now. Because um, if they continue to lose, Mitchell's not staying with that team. And, you know, maybe with the backcourt of Garland and Mitchell being bad defensively, like, maybe that will be okay. But they gave up a lot for Mitchell. And to me, Mitchell seems destined for one of the New York teams. Although with Cam Thomas playing really well in Brooklyn, I'm not sure I really want Mitchell right now. Um, I'll take him, but, you know, I'm not really sure. (laughs) Um, He's been rumored to the Knicks forever. And Miami will probably get in on that. Um, These are things that, Cleveland needs to worry about. Um, and I just don't think it's getting enough coverage because I think Cleveland was expecting Garland and Mobley to improve. And I think that's what needed to happen. Um, I think they've gotten the most they've they've had out of Jared Allen. I don't see Jared Allen being much better than what he's been for Cleveland. I mean, um, but as, as far as Mobley and Garland, Mitchell's doing his thing. You know, he was terrible in the playoffs last year, but like, and they got Struess, they got shooting, Levert, Solid bench player like Mobley and Garland have needed to take and they've needed to take a step and they haven't. And I think the future is very questionable, especially with Mitchell being on the team. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. Um, I haven't heard really anything about Cleveland and they're three and five. Uh, It's it's weird. It's like we really don't know what's going on, what's exactly wrong, because if you look at the roster on paper, Adding Struess, they added Jordan Yang as well uh, in the offseason. I expected them to be really good. I had them third as well in the East because I wasn't sure about Philadelphia, and I expected the Knicks to not be as great as they were last season. So just off talent alone and Donovan Mitchell you know, playing the way he has been throughout his career, I was like, Cleveland will probably end up being third. They'll win a lot of regular season games. That has not been the case. Uh, they've dealt with injuries. Garland has missed half the games. He's only played four games. But in the games he did play, he's not been good. Uh, just 17 points per game, only six assists a game. Um, Jared Allen's only played three of the games. And you mentioned Mobley. I think 
everyone is, you know, he was the second second overall pick in the, in his draft class. Every or third, I I forget actually. But um Mobley was expect- third. Mobley was third. Yeah, you're right. Everyone was expecting him to like become this next like great power forward in the league. And it's possible he still can because it's, it's still early. But Cleveland, the timeline that they're on right now, because they traded for Mitchell, they need it now. And Garland was an all-star a few seasons ago, but he's kind of just maintained that level of play. And if he's not playing, then, you know, they're not getting that, obviously that production that he provides that playmaking stuff. So right now they're really, it's really just Donovan Mitchell. Karis LeVert's averaging 18, but you know, he's coming off the bench. Isn't always the most efficient player. Uh, And if they're not going to get major production on both sides of the ball from Mobley and Jared Allen, they're just not a good team otherwise. Mm-hmm. And Mitchell's averaging 31 points per game, but there's some games here that they're not even competitive in despite the, the numbers that they put up. Um, and it's, like you mentioned, Donovan Mitchell not re-signing with this team. He's not extending, at least. He, maybe he'll consider it when he becomes a free agent in 2025, but I think everything is pulling him towards New York. That's where he's wanted to be from the get-go uh, when he when he – softly requested the trade from Utah and Cleveland has to worry about that. They cannot go back to being mediocre. This is their own, their first success that doesn't include LeBron James in the past 20 years. You have to treat this seriously. You have to make sure that you can stay, keep Donovan Mitchell. Cause if you lose Donovan Mitchell, what is your next opportunity to get better? You're going to go back to the draft and start trying to build through the draft again. That's always a roll of the dice. They haven't been great with that always, if unless they get like one of the first three picks in the draft, and especially next year's draft class isn't that great. Uh, it, in twenty twenty five, it gets even it gets really good, obviously, but next year's draft isn't going to be you know uh, star studded like this year's draft was. This is concerning, and it's it's funny that no one's really talking about it because this team was a you know top in the East last season, and now they're kind of at the bottom. I know it's early, and they've only played eight games. But they should not be this bad, especially in an Eastern Conference where past the top four teams, you know, they're you know, there's no one that's world beaters. If I'm them, if I'm a if they're a playing team by the trade deadline, you trade Mitchell. Like it's like right. I, I think you know, because they were a playing team without him. And so I think you try to recover the assets and then you you draft and yeah, you'll be mediocre. But their future like is not that bleak. It's just it's bleak in the fashion of Mitchell kind of gives them the ceiling of contending in some way. Um, if they lose Mitchell, they still have Mobley. They, they still have Garland. Like those guys are really good players. Like I'm not here to say like they're not good or anything. I'm just saying yeah. we've expected them to develop to even more than that. I mean, Mobley was getting like Kevin Garnett comparisons. Some yeah. people thought he should have been number one over Kate Cunningham and he's proven nothing to make me think that should be the case. Yeah, I'm 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 glad you brought also, that up. Also, also Bickerstaff, I don't think is like a great coach. I think they were they were one net fuck up away from being 0 and 4. <laughs> like the Nets screwed up game one. Th- that is how they won. And Mitchell hit the big shot, give him credit. Mm-hmm. But if the Nets didn't, you know, screw up that game, they're 0 and 4 to start the season. And, you know, they're not. They're 3 and 5 now, but it's concerning. That's not what they needed. If they want to keep Mitchell around, they needed to keep 
They need to go to minimum second round and have a really competitive second round series. And they just, I don't know if they're going to do that. So another takeaway I had, we already discussed it a little bit on your pod, but the Clippers big four, obviously it's not working right now. And Mm -hmm. you really question if it's going to work at all, because right now they have a negative 28 net rating in terms of scoring. They're negative 13 net rating and rebounding. Uh, and their turnover prone team, this putting these four guys together, even when it happened, you looked at it and said, mm, how is this going to work when you have four guys who all need the ball? Two of these guys are used to being ball dominant completely when you're talking about Russ and James Harden, and they're at their best when the ball's in their hands constantly. But your two best players are wing guys that also need the ball to score constantly. How is that dynamic going to work? And so far we've seen in the first three games, it's really, really bad. It's a lot of them taking turns. It's a lot of them playing, uh, you know, trying not to step on each other's toes. You know, that is not going to work. And we th- and you look at this and said, all right, offensively they'll be okay. It's defensively that they may have a problem. But they're having a problem offensively too. They're getting out-rebounded really badly. Their best lineup is when they play small with P.J. Tucker, like the 2019 Houston Rockets. That's not going to work in the playoffs for sure. It may not even work in the regular season. Right now, they're 0-3. They're out of the playoffs if it were to start today. Um, What are your thoughts on this team, just how they're playing? Is there a way that they can fix this? What has to be done? Well, Russ has to come off the bench. That's number one. Uh, number two, uh, Paul George has to be better. He's been pretty brutal um, ever since. Um, classic, like, Paul George, a little inconsistent. Him, him and um, – I've heard, uh, uh, you know, people say that, you know, he's – when people think of Paul George, they think really good player, really good player, and then you see him play every day, and you're like, eh, kind of. <laughs> like, you know, and, and, and he's had amazing seasons, but – I think it all boils down to Kawhi. Kawhi is not healthy. They're not going anywhere. If they're healthy, they got a shot. And I think it's early. I really do. Like, I know they're 0-3. Yeah. They lost to Dallas. They lost to Brooklyn. They lost to the Knicks. All teams that I think aren't, like, terrible. Um, uh, but the Clippers, you know, we kind of do this whole thing with super teams. They always start bad. All these super teams, they all start bad. Even like the the Nets big three, like they lost to Cleveland in their first game together and they gave up like 140 points. Like some crazy. The Heatles went eight and nine. Like I think the Warriors got blown out by the Spurs with KD like on their first night. Like like this stuff always starts off rocky and we freak out and we're like, oh, it's not going to work. But ultimately the Clippers move for James Harden to me raises their ceiling than it was before. And we just got to give it like a week. They'll probably get their... I don't know who they play next, but I'm assuming they're going to get their first win in the next game or two. They play um, the Grizzlies, so yes. Yeah, they're going to get that win. Um, <laughs> but but if they uh, don't... But if they don't, then it's really concerning, I guess, too. But I, I, to me, like, I just... You know, Westbrook, like I said, needs to come off the bench, and that's a shame because Westbrook seemed to have found, like, a groove here, and who knows, like, if this continues to be... Rocky, you know, who knows if if Westbrook's on the team, like by the deadline, honestly, right. like. So as far as the Clippers go, um, if the, if you're expecting championship from them, which is what I think, like the organization is expecting, and that's the expectations that should be upon them. 
then yeah, I don't, I have I have no trust that they're going to win a championship or be anywhere near that. Um, excuse me. Um, but they're a top six team in the West. I believe that. Uh, sixth spot. I don't see them missing the playoffs. The plan. I just think you got to give it some time, just a little bit more. Um, Harden's got to be more aggressive. He's got to be willing to shoot catch and shoot threes. He hasn't been willing to do that. Um, the defense has been brutal. And when you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George out there, <laughs> your defense is that bad. I think that's guys getting to know each other, and um, we'll see. I mean, they got to learn on the fly. Um, it's hard to do that stuff. Um, but I think most people are expecting title contenders from them and I don't see that at all. So considering my expectations, top six team in the West, they can do that. Um, and I'm expecting them to do that. Yeah. I just, I just really don't know. I don't know. I think just my outlook on is a lot more like bad. I just don't know Mm -hmm. if they can figure this out. I mean, on the fly, this is really tough. And we talked about the West. It's not easy. There's a lot. The Grizzlies is an easy game, unfortunately, for the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. But after that, they, they they'll, they'll play rest of the the Western Conference teams. Even some of the teams at the bottom, Houston's not a pushover this year. Neither is San Antonio for the most part. Having to develop this on the fly and having to delegate Russ to the bench, that's a really tough thing to do. I think for Ty Lue right now because you bring in Russ, kind of. Pro- I don't know if promising is the right word, but with the expectation that you're going to start him, he's going to play well after coming off that really bad experience with the Lakers where he just simply didn't fit, and the Lakers took a year and a half to do anything about it. Now you're kind of putting him back in this role that I don't think he's comfortable with. He's he's going to do it. Will he be happy about it? I'm not sure. To do that for Harden, who just came to the team, who we're not even sure you know, how well he's going to play alongside Kawhi and Paul George, I think it's just, it's a big ask. I don't know if this is going to be something they can figure out, at least enough to be a top six team in the in the West. Um, mm-hmm. By the time they figure this out, depending on what their record is, uh, they're three and five right now. But giving and they're zero and five on the road. They haven't won a single game on the road so far this season. Once they figure that out, is it going to be? Are they going to be good enough? You know, to compete with some of these other teams that, you know, we think are going to be in the top six, like Minnesota has been really good, uh, Denver, L.A., the Suns, Golden State. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively and with the rebounding, I saw Clippers fans apparently mad at Zubak. I don't know what Zubak did. Zubak has been great for them uh, for the most part. He's not a great defender. Yeah. Uh, but rebounding wise and just as a big body inside, I think he's been OK for them. But Gotta get mad with... at one random role player, right? Or else yeah, everyone's mad at one random role player. Also, a lot of this too is like, and I've dealt with it, is that's a lot of it is stands too. Like a lot of these stands for these stars, like yeah. they they blame the random role player because they screw up on one play and just he can't pay attention. I, I don't know what Zubach Zubach is the only center, so um because Plumley's hurt. So yeah. uh, it, it's it's it'll be interesting, but um, I think with the Clippers, like I said, Russ has to come off the bench because you need to have like Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Those are three guys who can all dribble, shoot, and pass at a pretty elite level. Um, so usually when you put three guys like that together, uh, it's fine. Um, but Russ can't shoot, so Russ has to come off the bench and he's got to lead that second unit. Um, that's what needs to happen. It's going to be hard to tell Russ, though, like, listen, man, you got to come off the bench again. <laughs> um, I mean, that's why I think his future with the team is in jeopardy. But um, that's just my thoughts on the on the Clippers. I, I know, like, 
some people think they're drastically worse. Um, I just didn't think the team was, and we said this on my pod um, that we recorded for me, um, is that we, I, I didn't think the team was that great before the Harden trade. And the Harden trade is kind of just like, all right, you only live once. Might as well go <laughs> all in on this PG Kawhi stuff. Right. But that's really it. Um, uh, do we have time for another takeaway? Yeah. Okay. Um, my next takeaway is my concern for the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. And a massive, massive concern for yeah. them. Um, several things. Um, first of all, uh, <laughs> their coach, Adrian Griffin, who I don't know if you've seen him, but he looks like shocked every time he's on camera. Like he's just like, <laughs> you know, like he's he's like that all the time. He's bewildered. And I think that's a, he's a huge reason why this defense is so bad. You know, I think people are looking, Drew Holiday's out. Drew Holiday was a great defensive player. We know that. And Lillard's in. And Lillard, if you haven't been paying attention in Portland, he doesn't, he didn't play any defense in Portland and he's not going to start playing defense now, I guess. He's just a terrible defensive player. Um, The thing is, is like, they still have Lopez. And if Giannis, who I constantly hear every year, is a defensive player of the year, if he's that guy, they shouldn't be this bad defensively. I don't care if you're starting Malik Beasley or all these guys that can't really defend. Middleton has obviously been on a minutes restriction. I think there's just so much concern here because Terry Stotts left, like just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. That didn't really get a lot of light, but I think that's... Raises questions, especially because yeah. Lillard's there. So I don't know if it's mm-hmm. a Lillard thing or Adrian Griffin, but their defense has been awful. And Lopez is getting older. Uh, Giannis keeps shooting these stupid jumpers that every defense wants him to take. Um, I've said this year for years about Giannis. I know I've already kind of came on as like a Giannis hater so far in our meetings, <laughs> but the reality yeah. is, is like he could be like as far as his feel for the game, sometimes he doesn't really make the smartest decision. Like he doesn't understand that like the defense wants you to take that three. Um, You easily could just go to the basket and get fouled. Um, Does it every time. Uh, So when he shoots a jumper, I'm kind of like thankful, but with Dame, Dame really hasn't been that great either. He had a big win the other day. Uh, They're not running pick and roll. Uh, him and Giannis aren't running pick and rolls, and that's really concerning because it's like that's kind of like the fantasy between these guys. Like, how the hell are you going to guard that? But I don't know yeah. if that's a coaching thing or if Giannis doesn't want to be in pick and roll. Um, but that's the thing. Like, they have to do that. Like, that gets Lillard involved. That gets Giannis involved pretty much every single play. And if you help off of Middleton and Beasley and Lopez or Pat Connaughton, um, or any of their role players, or Bobby Portis, that's an open three because Lillard and Giannis are so lethal. So they'll probably engage massive help, and then one of those guys will are open, but they're not really running that stuff. So it's concerning from that level too. And the last thing I'll say is Middleton is, I think he was averaging like 12 points per game until recently. Like he's on a minutes restriction. I get it. He's, he's, averaging, a, he's averaging 11. He's averaging 11, but yeah, so like he's got to be that third dude. And when they played the Nets uh, recently, you almost forgot Middleton was in the game sometimes. 
And that can't happen. And it's weird, too, because I really didn't feel like Lillard was too involved. Like, Lillard and Middleton did not feel involved. And uh, that's it's it's concerning, man. I had them better than Boston this year, mainly because of that star power, because I, I liked Giannis and Lillard together. It's still early, but... You know, it's early for Boston. They made major additions to their roster and they look freaking unbelievable. Yeah, you're yeah, you're right. I also I think we both had the Bucks coming out of the East because, you know, if the Bucks were contenders last season, mm-hmm. you swap out Drew Holiday for Damian Lillard, even though mm-hmm. you're taking a step back defensively, you'd make it makes sense that they're going to be uh one of the best teams in the West. De- uh, sorry, in the East. In defensively though, you would think, like you said, with Brook Lopez and Giannis, that you would be all right. You know, you you wouldn't need stellar perimeter defense. But their problem is that the backcourt of Malik Beasley and Damian Lillard, they can't stop anybody. I mean, yeah. just in the past few games, Tyrese Halliburton went off for 29. Um, they had Cam Thomas light him up for 45. Hey, um, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he would have gotten that on anybody. No, <laughs> no I'm joking. I'm joking. The 30 I get, but 45 is, yeah, is a lot. Uh, Kate Cunningham at 33, Brunson lit him up for 45 as well. Like, they just they have a really tough time stopping like the elite scoring guards of the league. And when you can't stop them, you know, you're opening up for everyone to really because you're going to overcompensate trying to stop that one guard. That's an issue. I think they got to figure that out defensively. I don't know if that means not starting Malik Beasley and starting someone else, Pat Connaughton maybe, or a Jay Crowder who's actually played all right for them um, so far this season. Yeah, he has. That's, that's another thing too, is like, I thought Jay Crowder was going to be zero this year and he's been good. Yeah. And, and the fact that he's been good and yet they're still so bad defensively, you got to look at the roster probably around the deadline. You probably got to look at the, um the buyout market you know, like this team is, we all knew their depth wasn't very good, but I just looked at that star power and they're not doing that star power to its the best of their ability. They're not running that pick and roll, like I said. So it's becoming a thing where it's just like they're abysmal defensively and they could score like that's cool. But Giannis won them that game versus Brooklyn um, that I watched. And, you know, Giannis was awesome last night and they lost. Um that, speaking of which, I I went over I went off on Giannis last week. That technical foul where he got ejected, I think it was versus oh, the Pistons. Yeah, ridiculous. ridiculous, ridiculous. I mean, that's where NBA officials. I also mentioned that the NBA officials called BS text in that rant that I did last week, and that's <laughs> yeah. so. You know, I just think it's very concerning because. You know, and I see a lot of people saying that like, oh, Lou is playing not that great because. You know, he wanted to be in Miami. It's like, whatever, man. Like, dude, that's that no. that can't be it. Like, no. he's just and if first of all, if that is true, that's an indictment on him. Cause now he has a real shot to win the title. And like if you're playing poor on purpose or to me, when I saw Lillard um Tuesday, it looked to me as if like he just wasn't really being aggressive. And I think he was just kind of like he's just learning to play with new teammates and stuff. And I think he doesn't want to be selfish or take and he's been he's been better, you know, um, since then. But I just think it's very concerning for, uh, especially because they're kind of they're not young. So no. this is kind of it. And if I were no. Giannis, like I probably wouldn't have signed that extension at the time he did because a you would have got more money if you waited. B, 
you could wiggle your way out if it goes wrong. Because if they don't win the title this year or come close, that contract extension doesn't look great. And I, I think a lot of the defense is because it's due to poor coaching, honestly. Like they're scrambling, they look lost. They just I just can't see how like Brooke Lopez was a defensive player of the year candidate along with Giannis. And I know Drew Holiday's really good. Like, I get it. Like, he's yeah. a great defender. I'm not expecting them to be top five in defense necessarily, but the worst defense in the league, or one of them, I mean, the worst defense in the league is Washington. Um, but <laughs> that team is such a one, one of the one of the worst, <laughs> it's one of the worst defensive teams in the league. It's it's terrible um, yeah, for yeah, the Bucs, yeah, and they right. can't do that, especially when they have good defensive players. I think it was J.J. Redick on his one man and the three. Mm-hmm. He He tore apart. Milwaukee's defense. He says yeah. like they they every possession it's something different, some a different philosophy that they're doing. Yeah. Adrian Griffin is the new head coach there. Uh, so you I'll give him some leeway. Obviously, rookie head coach, you know, you can't really judge him until you really see him. Uh, but that's something you gotta be careful, have. man, though. Yeah, like you gotta be careful with these rookie head coaches because you usually can figure out instantly if they can do the job. And I've seen it like with Steve Nash, like we kind of knew instantly he wasn't that great. Like Even if he like, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, when they say coaches get better, like Steve Kerr, like Steve Kerr comes in, he's awesome. You know, like, like <laughs> you gotta be careful with the rookie head coaches, man. I just, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, they play Orlando tonight. Like, um, I don't know if that's, that's a, I don't know if that's a win. Do you think that's a win? I mean, I probably would say it's a win, but well, Dame Orlando's Lillard been pretty good. Dame Lillard is questionable. Yeah. Um, and well, it, you don't know if it's a win. Orlando's been decent. Like they yeah. have a lot of young guys playing hard with something to prove. Yeah, um, Orlando and Indiana were the two teams I, I was expecting. I, Orlando, I was still questioning their youth. Yeah. Um, because they are very young still. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, Giannis had 54 the other night, and they ended up losing to the Pacers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's no guaranteed win here with Orlando. Well, that is all we have for this week's episode of Truish Hoops. I'd like to thank James Boisitz for coming back on the show. You could find his podcast, the link's in the description. I'm on his latest two episodes. Be sure to check that out. And be sure to also check out other episodes of Truish Hoops on the page and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Playlist. Uh, also, follow the podcast on TikTok at Truish Hoops. You can also follow uh, James Voices on TikTok. I'm sorry. I don't know what your TikTok is. It's at James Voices. Uh, all James my Boyce. social media platforms are at James Voices. Yep. There you go. Also talks about entertainment and stuff like that. Yeah, I talk about other stuff, too. <laughs> all right. Thanks for Have listening. Have a good one, man. Thank you for having me on. Of course. See you guys next week.